Good morning, church. We're going to open up in prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank You that Your presence is here. And we just declare we, there's nowhere else we'd rather be than in Your house, than in Your presence, God. Your Word says better is one day in Your house than a thousand elsewhere. So we claim that promise. We pray You do whatever work You want to do in our hearts. We surrender right now. God, I thank You that Your Word never returns void. It always sets up what You accomplish it to do. I pray I will get out of the way and Your will will be done. In Jesus' precious Name and all of God's people said... Amen. You guys can take your seats. So we started a brand new series. It's not actually that brand new. It's been a few weeks now on wisdom. I hope you guys are enjoying it. I think we can never have enough wisdom, right? It's such an important topic. And so the title of my sermon this week is Choose Wisdom for Life. You'll be glad you did. I'm going to say it one more time. Choose wisdom for life. You'll be glad you did. Now, you know me. I always like to set the stage when I start to preach. So who in who here in, in the church building enjoys instructions? Anyone enjoy getting instructions? I'm sure most of us enjoy giving instructions. Who enjoys getting instructions? Some of you enjoy it. That's good. That's a very good trait to have. I bet you if you're the youngest sibling, you don't enjoy getting instructions, hey? The youngest always grows up being bossed around, hey? They're always being told what to do. It's not cool. Um, I think just human nature, most of us, we like to be the ones giving the instructions. And even if there's an idea, if it came from us, um, it seems like a great idea because it came from us. And someone else can come up with the exact same idea and, and then they're telling us what to do and we can be critical because it wasn't our idea. We're listening to their instructions. Just me, any honest people in the room. It's just me. Okay, we have some honest people. Thank you. Most of us don't like being told what to do. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. I think clearly I have a problem because... Um, I'm terrible with instruction manuals. Terrible. Now, if you think about an instruction manual, all it really is is a, is a gigantic book of black and white writing giving you instructions. It's an invisible person telling you what to do for pages and pages and pages. I hate them. They give me a headache. I try to avoid them. So if I can put something together without an instruction manual, I'm going to give it a try. Okay, and I've done this on several occasions. It never ends well. Okay, some might say I am a slow learner, but I try. I want to do it on my own. And geez, I've got lots of stories. My husband, Andre, is probably as bad as me, does not enjoy instruction manuals. So the two of us together have, you know, we've gotten into some sticky situations trying to put a desk together, or there was the infamous printer story. I don't know if you guys have heard that story. So I got a printer, I paid, I mean, it was on a ridiculous special, which should have been the first red flag. Got the printer, tried to wing it, put it together. I mean, how hard can it be? It could be very hard. Eventually, I think Andre thought I was going to have to be institutionalized. So he stepped in to like calm me down. Things just escalated. You know, I think he thought before we get divorced, he was going to back away. Eventually, in desperation, I get the instruction manual. Now, I'm being dead honest when I say it was the worst written instruction manual I've ever seen. 
It was in like five or six languages. So you, there's like a line in English, which doesn't really make sense. And there's a line in Chinese and a line in French and a line in Spanish. And it's, I'm like, just pick two languages and do it properly, please. But, you know, at the end of the day, we ended up packing, well, I ended up packing the printer up neatly because I wasn't going to, you know, um, my, my intention was to send it back. So I packed it up very neatly, keep, keeping my temper under control put it back in the box where it has remained for the last eight years. Because the instructions were so bad. And listen, I felt very guilty about it, about not sending it back or not gifting anyone with it. And then my father has now informed me that I would have spent quadruple the amount on my first load of ink cartridges because he says it's like the biggest ripoff and it's, you know, they catch you with the ink. So it's actually a good thing it's packed away. And I've learned my lesson now about which printer I'm meant to buy. But I've also realized that probably in the Khrif household, I'm the problem, right? Like Taylor Swift so eloquently, eloquently sings, it's me, I'm the problem, it's me, hey? You guys know that song? Because even when I'm cooking, you guys all know I'm not a great chef. If you know me, I'm not a great chef. My girls love my spaghetti and they love my, um, my pumpkin pie. That's very popular at Christmas. But I'm, I'm not really a great chef. And I think the problem is that I don't enjoy following instructions. So it's not really recipes with me. It's like almost, I call them guestimes, you know. So it's like, add 125 mils of milk. And I don't use a measuring jug. I'm, I just eyeball it. I'm like, that looks like 125 mils, you know. And then they're like, weigh the powder and, you know, this many grams. And I'll, I'll eyeball it, and most of the times, well, often, sometimes, it comes out quite good. But my girls were bummed with me in December. We were trying to make cake pops. They wanted to sell them. And they were pretty much like flapjack pops. But, I, you know, quick thinking, Mom, I actually ended up squishing the flapjacks, squishing the flapjacks into balls, covering them with icing and freezing them for like three hours solid. And then they actually tasted really good and my kids were happy. Okay, but there's a point to all of this. Again, if I would only have followed the instructions, I would have been really glad. Hey, my girls would have been glad. I would have been glad. My sanity would have been a little bit more intact. And that's why it ties in with the theme of the sermon. Wisdom will make you glad. And wisdom comes from instructions. Now, as Christians, where do our instructions come from? The Bible, right? We get a book which was written by God himself. The Bible was written by God. He used humans as the vessels, but it was, it's God breathed. It's God is the author, whether you believe it or not. I'm telling you, God wrote the Bible. And it's a book of instructions that can actually help you and I live lives. And if we follow our lives according to the Bible, we're going to find wisdom. And we're going to be so glad that we did. I want you to, if you take anything from the sermon... Read the Bible, let it mold your life, and you'll be so glad you did. What often happens is we pull out the Bible on child dedication Sundays or on Easter or a big, on a wedding or a family event, 
But it's something that we should be reading every day as our instruction manual. And I'm going to get onto that in just a second. But if you need wisdom, I'm telling you this morning, it's all in the Bible and you'll be so glad you used it. Now, whenever we talk about wisdom, the foundation comes from Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. You guys have probably heard this preached a few times in this series or not. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Anyone else preach that? You've heard it the last few weeks? Okay, and for me, I'm going, we always have to start there because if the Bible's saying that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, we've got to start there. Now, I grew up in the church. I was privileged enough to have Christian parents and I heard that verse a lot, but I didn't really understand it, okay? And I don't know, you might be thinking the way I thought. My idea was, okay, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. So basically, if I'm wise, I will fear every time I do something bad, God's going to come with a stick and whip me, right? She told a lie, whoop, okay? Um, she disobeyed her parents, whoop. She uh, was disrespectful, and, and suddenly I'm so scared of God giving me a hiding or punishing me, or um, I'm not going to win my hockey game because I, I was disobedient, and that was God giving me a whoop, so I'm going to fear God and I'm going to be wise, Anyone else think of that verse in that way? Anyone else? Doesn't mean that at all. I want to clear that up for you this morning. That's not what that verse means. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Because living a life without God should terrify us. It's not wise to wake up in the morning without God holding you by the right hand. And His Word says that He wants to hold you by the right hand. He wants all of His children. If you're a child of God, He wants to hold you by your right hand every day. So that no matter what you're going through, whatever trial, He's got you by the right hand. You should fear going into a day not having God holding you by the right hand. The Bible says that the God up in heaven created you fearfully and wonderfully. He keeps track of the amount of hairs you have on your head. He is completely and utterly in love with you. Why would you want to be separated from that love? I, I don't want to spend a day without Him. I, I would hate to spend a day going into the world without my God. That should be fear. And so then what do I do to counteract that fear? I read His Word. I get close to Him. I claim His promises. I go, you know what? I can handle today because God's Word says, I'm the head and not the tail. I'm highly favoured, but the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. My God will never leave me nor forsake me. These are promises He's given me as His child. And my biggest fear is spending a day without Him. I don't want to do it. And I never have to. And that's where the beginning of wisdom comes from, fearing being separated from His love. Another fear that this church taught me, I always had a fear growing up, I didn't want to miss out on my destiny in God. Because you know what, you were sitting here in this auditorium and you were created by a God on purpose, for a purpose. You'll hear me say that a lot because I'm passionate about it. We were not put on this earth accidentally. You, we were not put on this earth to be like hamsters running on a wheel, just trying to pay the bond, pay the school fees, not get into debt, and then eventually die peacefully. That's not our purpose. You were created to shake up this world for heaven. Come on. We are not 
physical beings. We are spiritual beings. This is a temporary physical experience. Then you're going to live forever in the spiritual realm and by God's grace in heaven with God. And so my biggest fear growing up is I don't want to miss out on my destiny. I want to be everything God called me to be. I don't want to settle for the white picket fence. I don't want to settle for the nice, comfortable life and job because that's not enough. I wasn't called for that. I don't want to live in heaven regretting that God actually called me to to do more, to reach out to more people, to help more people, to invite more people to church. I'm being real with you guys. This is the kind of stuff that would freak me out growing up. I had a fear of not being who God called me to be. And that kind of fear is the beginning of wisdom because then you make decisions based on eternity, not on what's comfortable right now. I had amazing friends who I went through medical school with and we finished medical school, and it's very popular to go on the ships, you know. And you spend three, four, five years on the ships, and you travel the world, and you don't get taxed, and you earn so much money. And, you know, I had some really good friends who did it. And I was like, why are you doing this? Because, and please, there is nothing wrong with working on a ship. Please do not hear what I'm not saying. I'm talking about these friends that I knew personally. I'm going, there's a calling on your life. You're involved in the church. You're a leader. You've got people looking up to you. You, you shouldn't be disappearing off on, a, on a ship. Like, you should be planted. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. You're planted. You're going to uproot yourself to go on a ship and make money when you could, be, you could be leading people, making the huge difference that you are. I, you know, just think about it. Is this part of your destiny? And I'm like, you might be, it, maybe you, you going on the ship is part of your God's destiny for you. You've got to pray about it. But are you understanding what I'm saying? I would go flip. I feel like you're walking away from your calling. And I had one particular friend who did it and nearly lost their marriage. You know, like terrible things happened. And, you know, the point is when you have this fear of missing out on everything God has for you, you make better decisions. And that's why it's the foundation or the beginning of wisdom. Amen? We need a fear not reaching our destiny in God. King David, when he died, his son Solomon became king. Do you guys know Solomon was just 20 years old when he was named king? That's pretty hectic. But he was smart enough to know that he needed help. And so, Reading from 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5, it says, At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. And Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David. And because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart, you've continued his great kindness to him and given him a son to sit on the throne this very day. Now, Lord, my God, you've made your servant king in place of my father, David, but I'm only a child and I don't know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong for who is able to govern these great people of yours. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. And so God said to him, since you've asked for this, and not for a long life, not for wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment 
and administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and a discerning heart. There will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. And moreover, I will give you what you haven't asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime, you will have no equal among kings. And that's exactly what God did, right? He makes King Solomon this exceptionally wise man. He gives him a wisdom straight from heaven. He gives him wealth. He gives him every, all the things he didn't ask for. But there's a point to this. What characteristic sticks out the most about Solomon? He was humble. He was humble. He was humble enough to know that he needed God. He wasn't going, I'm 20, I was put in this position, I can do this. He was like, I need God. And he called out to God and God came. And I wrote this and I want to read it how I wrote him. Sorry, I want to read it how I wrote it. But firstly, this is common knowledge. If water is, is, is falling down a mountain, right, and it hits a rock, what's, what's it going to do? Change direction. It will always take the path of least resistance. Always, right? Wisdom takes the path of least resistance. Humility is the path of least resistance. I want you to have that picture in your mind. When you are humble, wisdom flows to you. We saw it in Solomon's life. Humility is saying, I don't have it all together. I don't have all the answers. I'm not a genius. I'm not Einstein. The Bible says there's secrets we'll only understand when we get to heaven. So I need God's wisdom. And wisdom follows humility. But pride will always result in resistance. So that's my first point. Wisdom understands the power of humility. If we make ourselves less, the Bible says, God will lift us up. And it's so counterculture in 2023 with social media. It's all about making ourselves more. I mean, the crazy filters now. Everybody can look like a supermodel. Everyone gets catfished, you know. It's, it's crazy out there. You can promote yourself on LinkedIn. It's all about making yourself, promoting yourself, fighting for yourself, showing everyone how good your life is. But it's totally against what the Bible says. The Bible says, God is the one who will lift you up. God elevates the humble. God promotes. No self-promotion is needed. You don't need to promote yourself. I promise you, God will promote you. And nobody can stop God. And, and that should get you excited at work. If you are humble and you put your head down, God will promote you. If you are in the church and you're serving faithfully and you're going, why haven't they made me a view group leader? I promise you, God will promote you. You don't have to fight for it. Wisdom understands the power of humility. Second point is that wisdom understands the power of being teachable. And these really kind of like cousin statements. But people who are the wisest crazy enough, and I want you to think about a wise person that you know. Normally people who, are, who carry the most wisdom, they actually ask the most questions. You sit down with them and they don't just and give you all their facts. 
which, listen, yeah, if you sit with me, I have to watch myself. I have verbal diarrhea. Clearly not very wise, hey. Wise people ask questions. So, tell me about yourself. What are you doing? Why are you doing that? What are your dreams? What are your hopes? They, they're actually, they're, they're always asking questions. They're not talking all the time. The Bible says that even a fool seems wise when he shuts up. Is that a tattoo I should get? Sometimes I think I should. But really, um, wise people, they, they actually ask. Why do they ask questions? Because they understand that wisdom is a lifelong journey. You don't just arrive. You can carry on growing in wisdom until the day you die. And wise people are teachable. My dad is an incredible example of this. Okay, my dad also has a bit of verbal diarrhea. But um, listen, I, he's one of the wisest people I know. And something that blew me away, and I'll never forget this. I was about 15, 16 on a youth camp. And I used to love those youth camps. If you're a parent, send your kid on these camps because it changed my life. But I'll never forget the one year they were giving a bunch of really young youth pastors slots to talk. Now I'm sitting there, this, and I'm going to be totally honest, the youth pastor was struggling, okay? Not very charismatic, monotone voice, did not really making sense. Like I had to like slap my cheek a few times to stay awake. And I was actually thinking, oh my hat, like, you know, you're just feeling a bit embarrassed for the speaker and you're going, flip, this is hard, okay? I turn around to my dad and he's sitting on the chair. So my parents would always come on the youth camps, not as the lead pastors of one of the churches because there'd be like 10 churches coming together. They would come as the cooks and they would make the food and we loved it because they would always have cold, cold drinks fast in the fridge. So that's a nice way to bribe your kids if you want to go on camp and see what's happening. I intend on doing the same thing. And we were happy because they would be in the kitchen and they'd cook and they'd have cool drinks for us. But whenever they could, they'd sneak into the, into the sermons. So there's my dad sitting in the sermon and this, this, this young youth leader is struggling, okay? Struggling, guys. Here's my dad taking notes. Now, my first thought was, is he going to go and correct this person? Maybe give her some pointers. It would be really nice of him, you know, just to help her. Shame. And I speak to him afterwards, and I'm like, Dad, you were making notes. Like, he's like, yeah. He says, you know what, Leanne, what I've realized in my life is that if I will lean in and be humble and teachable, God can use anyone or any situation to speak to me. So I'm not going to waste any opportunity. It doesn't matter who's preaching. I'm going to lean in. I'm going to take notes, and I'm going to trust God to speak to me. This is a man with three degrees under his belt, with a, you know, who, who could have been very arrogant, who could have pulled her to the side and, and, and given her pointers. And, and all he was doing was taking notes and saying, God, speak to me. Because at the end of the day, the Bible says that when there was no one else available, God used a donkey to get his message across. So if God can use a donkey, he can use anyone. If we'll lean in and be teachable. And I want to say, you know, some people say, why do we stand up like, and before the preacher preaches and show honor? We're not doing that because we're going, oh, the preacher's so wonderful. We all need to stand up. No. The reason we're doing it is because the Bible says you can't receive from that which you do not honor. And so you, you're going, I'm, gonna, I'm coming to church because I seriously want to meet with God. 
So if I want to meet with God, I'm going to show honor. I'm saying, God, I'm serious about this. If you can use a donkey, you can use that person on the stage. I'm going to get up. I'm going to show you that I mean business. Please speak to me. Does that make sense? And then you're going, and God can do a miracle. God can speak through anyone or anything if we're teachable, if we're humble, if we lean in. Sorry, I went off my notes here. Humble people are teachable. You look at Solomon, the wisest man to ever have lived. And if you read what he, what he wrote in the Bible, which of course is God-breathed, okay? But still, God is very intentional. Solomon, the wisest man on earth, writes far more about seeking advice than anything else. Now, if I was Solomon, I'd probably dedicate a few chapters just to helping the plebs who weren't as wise as me. Just me, hey? You guys, aren't, you guys wouldn't. But this guy just wrote about seeking advice because he understood that wise people are humble, they teachable. He had that spirit. And being teachable can save you from a lot of heartbreak. I will never forget, Andre and I had just got married and he had a friend and um, this friend, the one day came rushing over to our flat and he was like, I'm in love, I've got a new girlfriend and he started telling us and we were like, whoa, where did this come from? Like, and they had really just met and we had known this girl for a, a, a much longer than he had. And we had some very big concerns about her. And so immediately when he said he was in love and they were dating, we were like, where did this come from? Slow down. And we were like, look, our advice to you is please go slow. Okay, we've known her for a lot longer than you. I'm begging you, go slow. I, I really believe there was a massive calling on his life. He was a great guy. Um, and, but he was head over heels in love. And he did the exact opposite of what we advised. Within six months, they were not only engaged, but getting married. And I felt physically ill, because I, I'm, I'm being honest, because I thought this, this guy is called. And you need to realize that if you're going to reach your destiny, you need to marry the right person. Okay, you marry the wrong person, it can wipe you out of your calling. You guys need to know that. And I, li I literally felt physically sick. I thought, this guy has a calling on his life. This is not the right thing. And it just so happened that we had agreed to be somewhere else in the country so we couldn't be at the wedding because I said to Andre, I can't sit through this because I feel like it's just so not right. This, this girl is not right for him. This is going to be there. I felt in my spirit, just every bit of discernment was no. And... Um, I said to Andre, like, if we were really good friends, shouldn't we do more? So Andre's like, what do you want us to do? We've given him advice. He doesn't want to listen. And I actually said, we should just kidnap him and put him in the boot and, and drive to Durban. He'll think it's part of his bachelor's. And Andre was like, have I married a mad woman? Should I have waited for three years and got to know you better? But the point is, we did not kidnap him, okay? He married the girl. And sheesh, about eight months later, they got involved in terrible, dodgy, 
awful stuff and they're not serving God and they, yeah, they're nowhere spiritually. And it was the saddest, saddest thing to watch. But he wasn't teachable. I'm going, dude, just give it 18 months. You can hide crazy for six months. You can't hide crazy for 18 months, hey? It's going to rear its head. Let's be honest. But he was not teachable. He wasn't humble. And it took him out. Proverbs 19 verse 20, it says, Get all the advice and instruction you can so you will be wise the rest of your life. Ask yourself, am I teachable? Do I go and ask people for advice or am I a know-it-all? Proverbs 12 verse 15 says, Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. My third point I want to make about wisdom is that wise people position themselves to receive wisdom. Wise people position themselves to receive wisdom. Now, we kind of touched on that when we spoke about our instruction manual, right? The Bible. A lot more interesting than my printer's instruction manual. It's God-breathed. It's living. How do you position yourself to get wisdom? You wake up in the morning, and the first thing you do is read God's Word, okay? Andre and I have like a little promise to each other. We don't touch social media. We don't get into our emails. We read God's Word first. Because it's living. It's alive. It's full of wisdom. You read it. It might not scream something at you immediately, but I can promise you it's gonna, God's going to use it at some point. And that's why the Bible also says meditate on His Word. Like get it into you. Don't, don't read three chapters at lightning speed and then you can't remember what the freak you wrote two hours, or what you read two hours later. Listen, I've done that. I read three chapters. What did you read? Uh, something about a guy named Zach or something. Even if it's two, two verses and they stick in your head and you say them over and over and over and then maybe two days later you're in a situation and boom, that verse comes to your mind and you've got wisdom and you know what to do. You can position yourself. You read His Word. You write down your thoughts, your prayers, your wishes, your hopes. It sets you up for the day. You guys know we always say God is a God of firsts. That's why we're here on a Sunday because it's the first day of the week. So it gets the first part of our day. And it sets us up. In James 1 verse 5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. Proverbs 1 verse 20, it says, Wisdom shouts out in the streets. She cries out in publics, in the public square. I love the message version where it, it, it says, Lady Wisdom shouts out in the streets. Come on, ladies. Don't you love that wisdom is a lady? So I think that's pretty cool. So for the last two weeks when I've been praying for wisdom, I'm like, come on, Lady Wisdom. You say you shout out in the streets. I need some wisdom right now with how to deal with my kids with decisions to make for my business. Lead me, Lady Wisdom, as I prep my sermon. I need you, Lady Wisdom. Listen, I'm making a joke. I'm not trying to get into a weird gender thing. Please. But the point is, 
God wants to shout wisdom at us. If we ask for it, He'll give it to us generously. How do you position yourself to be wise? You get up in the morning, you read God's Word, and you ask for wisdom. He says He'll give it to you generously. Don't go into the day going, I hope it all works out. Go into the day saying, I've got wisdom. I've asked for it. God's going to provide it. I'm going to make wise decisions that are blessed by God. The prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. In that time, while you're reading His Word and you're praying it over your life, you pray His Scriptures over your life. You know what I love to do? I love to take a verse and put my daughter's names in the place or put my name or my husband's name in the place and I pray God's Scripture over our lives. I'm not wasting my time. The Bible says the prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. So if you're going through something tough, pray in the mornings, but please also fill out your prayer card. It's in the seat cover in front of you. Again, don't wake up on Monday going, what's going to happen in the week? Wake up going, my church is praying for me. The prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. It's wise to fill out a prayer card. else do you position yourself to read sorry to receive wisdom it's friendships you make sure you've got the right friends in your life come on you know we go on and on every Sunday about view groups why do we do that because we know it's the key to you reaching your destiny you can't just sit in a row on a Sunday you've got to have friends who are wise who have your back who are praying for you, who are praying for your marriage, for your kids, for your future spouse. You need those friends. You're going to meet them in a view group. If you're not part of one outside, grab hold of one of our serving team. You will find a view group that feels like home. Position yourself for wisdom. Get in a view group. And lastly, you position yourself for wisdom by worshipping God. Guys, I hope that the only time you worship God is not on a Sunday for 20 minutes because it's not enough. Remember, you can download these songs on your Apple iTunes. You can get them on YouTube. It's so easy to get access to worship songs. You can sing your own worship. I would prefer to download from Apple. Be more pleasant for everyone around me. But it's actually not that hard. And why is it so powerful? Why is worship so powerful? Because the Bible says we enter into God's presence through praise and worship. And when you're in God's presence, anything can happen. Anything can happen. When you get into His presence, He will download worship, wisdom. He will show you what to do. He will lead you. So I'm going to ask you guys to stand to your feet. We're going to end off this morning by worshiping God, entering into His presence and asking us, asking Him to give us wisdom. I'm going to pray and we're going to begin to worship. I'm going to ask you guys to lift your hands. There's nothing weird or super spiritual. You're just saying, God, I surrender in this moment. I want to be humble. I want to be teachable. I don't want to do this life without you. I'm going to pray for us. Lord Jesus, we love you. And we thank You that Your wisdom is readily available. And we ask this morning for a download from heaven of Your wisdom, God, that we make decisions that glorify You, decisions that actually impact
impact heaven, that impact eternity. Help us to put the right habits in place. You're a good God and you deserve all of our praise. Church, just as we stay in this attitude of worship with every head bowed out of respect. If you wanna live a wise life, the first thing you need to do is make the wisest decision you can ever make and that's giving your life to Jesus. Because you can come to church every Sunday but not actually be in a relationship with Jesus and you are missing out. You, you shouldn't be doing a day without His presence, without Him being close to you. Remember, you were made on purpose, for a purpose. You are loved by a God who wants to know you intimately. Don't settle for just coming to church. The wisest decision you can ever make is to say, Jesus, I give you my life. And if you wanna give Him your life this morning, maybe you know you gave it a long time ago and you need to recommit. I wanna give you that opportunity. So with every head bowed out of respect so that just I can see, if you wanna give your life to Jesus, I'm gonna count to three and ask you to be bold. Because Jesus says, if you acknowledge me before people on earth, I will acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. So one, God set up the world. Two, that He gave His one and only Son. Three, you can pop your hand up so I can see it. Pop your hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. That's amazing, I see that hand. Awesome. Anybody else, I don't wanna miss you. Just pop it up so I can see it. See that hand? That's awesome. Anybody else, why is this decision? I see that hand. He's saying, I wanna get to know God. I wanna walk with Him every day. I wanna do this by myself. I wanna reach my destiny. Okay, that's awesome. Come on church, can we pray together? Because we are in this together. We're a church family. Will you guys repeat after me? Can we do this together? Dear Jesus, thank You for dying on the cross and paying the price for my sins. Today, I repent and I ask You to be Lord of my life. I want to get to know You. I want to walk with You. I want to reach my destiny in You. I thank You that the Bible says that because of this prayer, I'm now Yours and I'm saved and I'm changed and I'll never be the same. Thank You that I get to spend eternity with You in heaven. In Jesus' Name. Amen. Come on, let's give God a hand. They say the whole of heaven goes nuts when one person prays that prayer. And I also want to encourage you guys, you know, we, we do say this a lot, but if you hit a home run in baseball, you never stop at first base. You run all the bases. You've hit a spiritual home run. So now get a Bible, download the Version app, get into a view group, do a growth track, go all the way um, because it's gonna help you in your spiritual journey. I know that tonight we have got Sabello preaching, which is gonna be an amazing, so it's a double dip Sunday. We'd love to see you all tonight at 6 p.m. Otherwise, have an amazing uh, rest of your Sunday and I think the band are gonna kick us out. Or are they not? Yes, they are. Awesome. God bless you all.